Uh, what a great reminder. And I, I really do hope that sinks into our hearts and our minds. I hope that's a song that we can come back to again and again. I think we have it on our Spotify, Spotify playlist. So if it's something that you, know, you want to listen to again and again, jump on Spotify. Uh, MMCCAZ, I believe, is that uh, where you can find all those, those songs that, uh, that have become you know, some of our anthems as a church, some of our worship tunes as a church. Uh, one of the things uh, Robin has taught me over time is to appreciate theater and Broadway and musicals. And through the years, we've seen a number of great shows. And uh, earlier, we were talking as a, as a group. Uh, I mentioned my favorite uh, show, and so everybody was guessing what it was. It's not The Lion King, as great as that one was. Hairspray was a good show, but not my favorite. Um, Cats, um, definitely not my favorite uh, at all. Uh, but my, one of my favorite shows that I've ever seen was Les Mis. Have, have you guys seen Les Mis? Now, Les Mis is an interesting show because it's, there's a divide. There's people who absolutely love Les Mis, and there, there's people who fall asleep watching Les Mis. Joe Webb, the one sitting next to you, it, like he fell asleep watching Les Mis, which I couldn't believe. And there's, there's, there's so many different storylines in Les Mis, but the, the one really that is, I think, the most powerful is the storyline of Jean Valjean experiencing an unbelievable act of grace and how that one act in his life changed the entire trajectory of how he would live. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it or read it. And uh, the, the, the scene is that Jean Valjean has been released from prison. He's been working in prison like 19 years, I think. Some of you will know this better than me, but I think around 19 years he'd been in prison, finally had uh, on work um, and had been released, and he finds himself really having to steal just to, be, to, to survive. He finds himself in different places where nobody will take him in because of his past. And I think many times we feel like that because of our past. It, it holds us back and that there's not a future for us. And, and uh, finally, a bishop uh, welcomes him into a church and gives him some food. And Jean Valjean goes in, and he, he ends up stealing some silver you know, to, to try to survive and, and to take what he needs to try to sell so that he'll have money to survive. And he's caught. He's caught by uh, the local uh, police and he's brought back to that church where the bishop is found at the front door. And rather than point his finger in an accusing way, this, this bishop, his choices of grace change everything for Jean Valjean. And he says, no, no, he didn't steal those. Those were gifts that I gave him. And he forgot the most expensive. And he gives him the most priceless candlesticks that are in, in the church. It's an amazing story of God's grace. And that grace um, sinks into Jean Valjean and changes the way that he begins to view the world and he sees the world. It's good news. And that's exactly what our series has been about the last few weeks, is the good news. Jesus shows up and, and the good news that that our past doesn't have to hold us back any longer, our sin, the pain that we've experienced, that God gives us freedom, and it's a free gift. It's, it's completely His grace. And we've said this, the gospel in one word, simply, is Jesus. If, 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 it, if it was just Jesus, that's good enough. That is good news for the world. And not just Jesus' is good, good news, but the phrase, if you want to look at the gospel in three words, it's Jesus is Lord. Anytime you turn your heart and your mind toward God and set Jesus in this leadership place in your life, the Savior and Lord position in your life, that is good news because it begins to reframe everything for us. That grace that we experience 
begins to change us. And then you ask the question, well, why Jesus? Why is that good news? Well, Jesus came to give us a glimpse of who God is, his love. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. The, the, the love that Jesus displays in his life, in his teaching, in his death, in his resurrection, that love is a, is a true representation and picture of God's love for all of us. If you've ever thought you weren't worthy, look at Jesus. And what Jesus did was a declaration of God's love for you. So he came to, to show us God's love. He came to save us from sin. Sin, remember, is anything that we think or do that separates us from God or from one another. So all those actions that, that create these rifts in our life or the separation from other people, it's like we're doing that to God. And so Jesus comes and he makes up for that rift. He, he makes up for the, the, the distance between us and God. So he came to show us God's love, to save us from sin. Last week we talked about setting up God's kingdom, which is this realm of relationships. Jesus introduces this new way of doing life in, in a relational way. And then this week we want to look at this idea that Jesus came to shut down religion. I, I love that thought, that he came to, to tell us to knock it off. This, <laughs> this religious activity, our leanings um, toward wanting religious uh, legalism and demands in our lives. So Jesus came to say, you don't need that any longer. Like, I give you right standing. I, I make you right before God, and it's nothing that you can do. You can't earn your way to God. You can't climb a ladder. There's nothing that you can do to get you to God. So this is what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the idea of Jesus shutting down religion today, but I want to, I want to take a little turn as we walk through this and get to our current cultural moment, the things that we're experiencing in our life today, because I think God can get our attention in a fresh way, and it has something to do with religion, but it also has something to do with the way that we often are weighed down by the very lives that we live. We ready? Okay, Bruxy. We, we've built this series around uh, Bruxy Cavey. He's from Canada. He wrote a book called Reunion, and uh, he says this, while some people use the word religion to refer to an intimate, heartfelt connection to God, Jesus used a different word. He called this kind of trusting relationship faith. Mm -hmm. So Bruxy wants us to understand that the word faith uh, is relating to, it's, it's, it's leaning into this idea of an of intimate, trusting relationship with God, our, our Father. And so he's kind of giving us a new word. Jesus called people to this intimate faith connection with God. And he ends by saying this, that Jesus is more about relationship than religion. And I want you to hear that today. I want us all to hear that and be reminded of that. Jesus is more about our relationship with God than he ever is about our religious activity. And sometimes we get caught up in this religious activity. Now, when I, when I say religion in this way, when I say that Jesus wants to shut down religion, I'm talking about this idea of a system of behavioral modification that we think earns or, or gains some sort of status with God or with the supernatural. So a system of behaviors that help gain status or earn sort of a, a status for, for us before God. And this is exactly what Jesus wants to shut down. Now, I want you to think for a moment about what religion does, what just going through religious activities, the, the, the feeling that we have to do something to earn uh, God's approval. What does that do? Well, it weighs us down. It adds demands upon demands, and it always makes us feel as though we're never enough. If I have to continue to repeat things again and again to earn God's favor, then I'm never good enough as I am in the present. Uh, in a relationship, let's, let's say a marriage relationship, 
if I feel like I never measure up and I always have to do certain things to earn Robin's love, then I will never feel like I'm good enough and I'll never really be able to receive her love fully. That God, when he invites us into a relationship, it's never based upon our ability to perform or behave in certain ways. It's based completely on what Jesus already accomplished. It's about that relationship. Now, here's where I want to take a little bit of a turn. Um, in this cultural moment, in this moment of isolation and quarantine of, and being held back, I, I believe that God always, always wants to use whatever moment we walk into for his good. I believe God's always working for the good of those um, who love him and who are called by him. And in this current cultural moment, I think God is calling us to slow down. Like, when we slow down, it creates some un discomfort, doesn't it? Like, even when I stop talking, people are like, did something happen to the connection? <laughs> is my Wi-Fi down? I, I think God wants to use this specific moment to help us slow down to help us understand the things that weigh us down, including our, uh, the, the ways that we often walk into religious activity. I think God wants us to, to, wants us to slow down, to quit hurrying through our lives. There's a book that I picked up a while ago, and it's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, written by John Mark Comer. I highly recommend it. When I first picked it up, um, I kind of read just a little bit. I didn't have time to read this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry because I had too many things going on. And I would pick it up periodically and read a couple you know, chapters and then put it back down. I didn't have time for it. But in this moment, I'm like, this is the moment I need to dig into this because I am far too busy, just like most of us are far too busy. And I think God wants to get our attention. Jesus in one of uh, my favorite passages in Scripture. It's recorded in Matthew. Uh, some of you will, will recognize this. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. A little bit of rest. And then he says this, Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, a little bit of a pause. Um, this, this language sometimes is lost on us. Like, what is he talking about when he says, take my yoke upon you? Uh, two different meanings that in the first century probably would have stuck out to them. The first is this, that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they were considered the law, the, the most important things for all people. And the idea was the Torah had a yoke to it. It had this uh, teaching to it. And rabbis were often thought of as having a yoke. They had a teaching, a way of reading through the Torah and then a way of teaching it for us to live. So this yoke was a way of living based on the Torah. So Jesus would have had a yoke with his disciples. And they would have understood the idea of a yoke like many of us would understand. It's this tool that goes over the back of an oxen or um, uh, any kind of animal that's moving a plow or carrying a, a certain load. And I think Jesus probably had both of these in his mind, this, these pictures that he wants to give us. He says, come to me, 
all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Um, Eugene Peterson in the message, he says it this way. Are you tired and worn out? Are you burned out on religious, religion? Then come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And then he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Now, that idea of rest isn't something we do very well in our culture. Even in moments when um, everything is stripped away from us, in the current moment, when we have some space and some margin in our lives, we usually fill it pretty quickly. I'm guessing all of us, um, while we might be at home, many of us fill our lives with a lot of different things. Interesting statistic. In the late 1800s, what would you guess was the average amount of sleep for Americans? Just take a guess. Late 1800s. 12 hours. Very close, 12 hours. So it was between 11 and 12 hours, over 11 hours. And, and it was because, it was because uh, as people, we were guided by the sun and the moon. Mm. So when the sun went down, we couldn't turn lights on and we went to bed. And when the sun came up, we woke up and we had 11 hours of sleep. Now, I'm guessing all of us in this room right now are like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Some of you, um, you've already drifted off wherever you are, and um, you're into your 11 hours now of sleep. Um, so 100 years later, the late 1900s, let's say the early 2000s, what would you guess is our average amount of sleep? Seven hours. Around seven. Yeah, yeah, around seven, right there. So think about that. Mm -hmm. Four hours different. Wow. In a hundred years, we sleep four hours less because of some inventions. And not just the light bulb, and I'm not like saying that technology is terrible, right? I mean, there's some good things to technology, but not just the light bulb, but our cell phones. How much of us stay up late at night, scrolling, watching, reading, instead of resting? Jesus says, come away with me, and I'll give you some rest. I'll show you how to take a real rest, which most of us don't do very well. And then he says, walk with me. And he uses this interesting word, work with me. I mean, most of us who are tired and weary and need rest definitely don't need any more work. But he says, work with me. Could it be that Jesus invites us in the current setting of our life to be yoked with him, when he says, walk with me, consider a yoke that goes over two oxen. What if Jesus is saying, let me carry the burden with you so you don't carry it by yourself? And then he says, as we're yoked with him, as we come together with him, as we walk with him, one of my favorite phrases in all of scripture, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's the phrase that I would encourage all of us to allow to settle into our minds and our hearts today and into this week. Religion is all about forced behavior. Forced behavior to earn something in God's sight. Grace is unforced, and it's a rhythm of being connected to Jesus and allowing him to carry some of the burden that we all fear, feel weighing us down. Every single one of us are weighed down by certain things in life. I wonder what it is for you today.
Are you weighed down about some fears of what's to come because of what is currently happening? Are you worried because of something going on within your body that you can't see or control and some of you can't even feel? And Jesus says, come to me. Let me help shoulder that load. And as you do that, learn the way that I walk, the way that I travel. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Not forced behaviors to earn your place with God, but unforced patterns of life that lead you into my presence. So I want to give you a few ideas for this week. And we're going to put these out on social media as well, so you'll see them there. But I want to give you just some ideas of um, rhythms of grace. And the first one is simply this, uh, prayer and scripture. Prayer and scripture in the morning. Now, I realize that we could force our way into prayer and scripture and have a little box that we check off. I've been there, and I'm assuming some others have been in that same place where we feel like, oh, I've got to read the Bible or I've got to pray or else God will not be happy with me. But there's a completely different way of doing it when you wake up and before you pick up your device, before you turn on the TV, before you roll out of bed, that you simply thank God for the day, not because it's something that you have to do, but because it's something that you need to do. You realize that that connection is so important for living life. So um, when you wake up in the morning, thank God for the day. And maybe the first thing that you pick up, maybe it's your device, but instead of opening your mail or the news or a text, maybe it's you version and you simply read the verse of the day. And when you do that, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you want to place yourself beside Jesus, it's amazing how often that verse guides you into your day and helps you walk through the day. Second thing, exercise. Now, I know that's an interesting idea of a rhythm of grace, but here's the deal. God made us physical creatures. We're not just souls floating around or spirits floating around, but we're physical. And I think when we exercise, when we find ourselves out on a walk or a run or hiking or whatever it is, doing yoga, when we recognize that the very breath that fills our lungs is the breath of God, we open ourselves to his presence and his grace. So exercise this week, however you do that. Um, being with one another, it's one of the reasons I hate not gathering on Sundays, but being with one another, there's something about this. When we begin to open our eyes and listen and notice that God is in the presence of community when we're together. So call or FaceTime someone this week. Marco Polo with some friends. It's like one of your favorite things to do is your Marco Polo. Uh, text someone from your house church. It's one of the reasons that we put the house churches together so we can connect with one another. Play a game with your family. Write letters to your people. Do what you need to do to be with um, other people even in this time of social distancing. Um, have a practice, something that you can just focus on for just a little bit of time each day. Um, one of the things that I wish I focused on more was this, playing guitar. I wish I could do what these guys do. Um, but maybe you have some time to do that now. Maybe when you're like in isolation, when you're quarantined, maybe you could pick up a guitar and learn how to play the guitar or do a puzzle or bake something awesome. And if you don't want to eat it, we have some people who could take your 
baking goods and do something with them. Learn Greek or learn Spanish. Like just focus on something. Put all the distractions away and use that mind that God gave you. Like slip into that rhythm of grace. Simplify. It's a great time to clean out a garage or a room or a closet and recognize God's goodness to us, his provision to us. It's a good time to see that I have things that I don't need and I can bless other people with those. Uh, simplify your the intake of news. Uh, don't just stay on 24-7 looking at the news cycles. Uh, limit the, the media and screen time that you have. So I'm going to close with this, and we're going to sing one last uh, tune together. Recognize the presence of God wherever you are. Like, learn to recognize it throughout the day. And don't just recognize God's presence, but then become present to him. Like, yoke yourself with Jesus. Connect yourself to Jesus. And in doing that, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that phrase so much. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Get away with me and learn with me and find your life again. Father God, thank you that you always make a way for us. That you always, even in the darkness, you, you make your presence known. God, for the, the, the ways that we try to manipulate our behavior in a way to, to make you happy, God, I, I pray that we would lean into your grace, that we would see that it's not about just going through the motions of, of certain religious activity, but rather it's what Christ accomplished for us. Help us to lean into that. It's good news for every single one of us, and, and help us in that recognizing the grace of Jesus. Help us, help us to come to Jesus and to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And we pray this in his name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have everything that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams, and he renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest of valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod, O oh God, and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in your house forever. This week, may you, may you realize that God is always with you. And not because you've earned your place with him, not because you've worked your way to him, but solely based on his love and his grace for you. May you turn back to him in every moment. May you recognize his presence. May you become present to him. And as you turn to him, may you learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And in learning those rhythms, may you find life that is truly worth living. We miss you, 
We love you, and we can't wait to see you again. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, hopefully face-to-face. Have a great week. May God's grace and his peace be with you.